Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Tonight, it's a new episode of All Rise, the legal drama where one judge is shaking up the system. When I take the bench, I'm taking a vow to fight for justice. One case at a time. Your Honor. We're going to trial. Simone Misick is Judge Lola Carmichael. Up on that bench. Everything is different. A new episode of All Rise. Freedom is at stake. It's important. Followed by a new episode of Bull, tonight at 9, 8 central on CBS. Tonight, it's the CBS original comedy, The Neighborhood. I need at least a month to prepare for a debate, not six hours. Actually, it's four hours. <laughs> no, my watch is broken, too. With Cedric the Entertainer, Max Greenfield, and guest star Wayne Brady. You gotta fund the schools or graduate fools. I stole all my lines. Look, don't worry, I got a plan. Okay, well, what is it? Okay, so I don't have a plan. A new episode of The Neighborhood. You're gonna have to give them a show. Tonight, 8, 7 central on CBS. You're in the clubhouse with Kyle Bailey. The third pick in the 2020 NBA draft goes to the Charlotte Hornets. Last night, the Charlotte Hornets find a little luck. How about it? Welcome in Sports Radio FNZ with you on a Friday. You want to talk about a great way. To go into the weekend here in Charlotte, I heard Mac and Bone get into it this morning, and Mac said it best. When's the last time that we had something collectively this exciting to all rally around on the Charlotte sports scene? It it has been a while. It, It has been a while, no doubt about it, and we've got a lot to talk about this morning. The Hornets will pick third overall in the NBA draft coming up in October after jumping five spots in the lottery last night, and the Hornets entered the lottery with a 26% chance of getting a top four pick, including a 6.7% chance of getting the number three overall pick. The Charlotte Hornets will have the third, 32nd, and 56th overall selections in the 2020 NBA draft, which will be held on Friday, October the 16th. And this marks, by the way, the third highest jump in the NBA draft lottery in Hornets history. The largest jumps came when Charlotte landed the number three selection in 1999, despite having just a 1.83% chance of moving into the top three and the number two pick in 1992 with just a 6.5% chance. And this year's draft will be the third time in franchise history that the Hornets have had the number three pick. They've done it twice. Once, it worked out pretty well. The other time, not so much. Baron Davis out of UCLA with the third overall pick back in 1999 and Adam Morrison out of Gonzaga with the third pick back in 2006. But it is a very, very exciting day to be a Charlotte Hornets fan. And I told you yesterday, I felt like something good was going to happen for this franchise last night. It was 2020, weird year, all sorts of strange things happening. But I said, hey, something good's going to happen here. I even offered up my beard as the sacrifice to the basketball gods. And as somebody, a listener just said, uh, as we were coming on the air, would you call that lottery a quote unquote close shave? Yeah, I think I might. Okay. And I, w- I was sweating. Listen, I, I made a very critical mistake and, and the guys out there who, you know, certainly have been through this already and are maybe even going through this right now already know the tough lesson that I learned last night. You don't go home to a wife 
who prefers your your facial hair and your full bearded face and say, hey, babe, by the way, I just offered up to the entire city of Charlotte to shave my face live on the air tomorrow if the basketball gods bless us with the number one overall pick. The look on her face could have killed me standing where I was in the kitchen. She said, you did not run this by me. Uh, I'm not happy. What if I told you that I came home and I was going to shave my head? And of course, my stupid response was, well, that's not the same thing. And that's not the right thing to say to a pregnant lady. So I, I was standing outside in my yard yesterday with a water hose in hand, watering my yard, avoiding the inside. Didn't even want to think about what was going to happen if I had to tell her, hey, babe, let's celebrate. The Hornets got the first overall pick. And by the way, we're going to hack this bad boy off tomorrow during the show. Best of both worlds. Top three pick for the Hornets. And I get to keep the facial hair. Smoke, I think it all worked out in the end. Yeah, and uh, still a chance to get a pre premier talent as, as well. I mean, you, you look at the top three prospects that we've heard about over the past few months. It's either Anthony Edwards, Danny Avia, or... Ooh, I don't know about that. Or <laughs> LaMelo Ball. Well, see, it's interesting. And, and uh, you're right about two of those, two of those three. Now, th- that's the thing. We talked about this yesterday, and I'm curious what people are feeling this morning with the top three pick. First of all, the, the elation last night, it was a mix of elation, I think, really over-the-top excitement, but there were some people still coming in with, yeah, they'll screw it up. And it's the Hornets. They're still going to screw this thing up. There there are people out there that are still clinging to, if you will, uh, the, the, the Hornets of, of the past. And I'm, I'm not saying they've cleared any hurdles or that they've become a preeminent franchise in the NBA. All I'm saying is Mitch Kupchak's a far cry from Rich Cho. Can we just agree on that much? That's all. It's not that I think this team is barreling toward the Eastern Conference Finals next year. I'm not a dummy. They're not there yet. They have a ton of work to do. But but Mitch Kupchak ain't Rich Cho. That much I believe we could we could agree on peacefully. There's reason to think that this is really going to work out well. But the other point is, it is so wide open. This is as wide open a draft as we've seen in years. No one, I mean, Anthony Edwards is, is probably the best or has the highest odds to go first overall. But those aren't strong odds those aren't overwhelming odds could be edwards absolutely could still be Lamelo ball could still be james wiseman could and, and and wiseman less so though because it's the minnesota timberwolves carl anthony towns but again the point is you, you don't quite know because Lamelo Lamelo ball has been a soft number one pick according to a lot of people for months now others don't think that uh, he should be anywhere near the number one overall pick there is no consensus on Lamelo ball across the nba some think he's a playmaker with huge upside and that you, you absolutely have to draft the type of potential and talent that he has at 6'7", 6'8", with that wingspan, that athleticism. The one thing I'll say about LaMelo Ball is that it appears he absolutely loves to play the game of basketball, but he doesn't play a lick of defense, and the, the jump shot is, is iffy. And that's, that's the absolute truth. And I realize I'm going to get some people out there, the LaMelo Ball truthers, that will argue with me on that. But just read Wasserman. Read Jonathan Gavoni. You know, read some of these guys that have been around this game and cover the draft and talk to these scouts and GMs. There is zero consensus on LaMelo Ball. And and while he could be the right pick for the Hornets, hell, he could be the pick for the Hornets. There are some names out there that I would love to see this organization go get with the third overall pick. I mean, there James Wiseman may not make it past two to the Golden State Warriors. In fact, at this point, I, I think I might be a little bit surprised if he does, but he could. And I certainly wouldn't hate James Wiseman in teal and purple. Same thing with Obi Toppin. Now, Obi Toppin's one of those players that a lot of the draft experts will look at and say, well, you know, he, he fits the mold of what the Michael Jordan-led organization has always looked at. You know, the, the older, polished college prospect. That, that's what MJ's traditionally gone after, right? So, of course, he fits the bill. Now, 
he's more than that. And I know, log jam at power forward. What do you do with Miles Bridges and P.J. Washington? You figure that out. If you get to three, and let's say Anthony Edwards and James Wiseman are off the board, and, and LaMelo's not the guy, or let's say that, that Wise, or Edwards and LaMelo are off the board. There's so many combinations here. You know, Toppin could be a very, very intriguing option for this organization. You got Toppin. You got LaMelo Ball. I don't think Anthony Edwards makes it to three, but you mentioned Denny Avia. You know, the the uh, the Israeli star who's drawn some Luka Doncic comparisons. You know, he has a lot of potential upside to him as well. This is one of those years where to have a top three pick is almost the same as having the number one overall pick because it's so varied and it's so scattered in terms of who people like and who they think is the best player in this draft. And I trust Mitch Kupchak to find that guy. We had more negative Nancys last night saying, ah, this is the worst draft in years. This is the worst draft they could have gotten a top three pick. Some of y'all just have to stop being so negative. There's talent in every draft. There is talent in every single NBA draft. And it's in this draft, too. Okay, maybe this is one of those Kwame Brown type years where the, the top doesn't look all that special. But there's always talent in the draft. And there's talent in this one. Whether it's Wiseman, LaMelo, Obi Toppin, Denny Avia, who knows? Anthony Edwards could fall a couple of spots. And if he does, that probably doesn't portend well. But the point is the point. There's talent to be had. There's roster building to be done. And the Hornets are in a good position to do it. Smoke, your reaction after last night. What are you thinking? Well, first off, good that something has finally happened in the Hornets' favor during the lottery in my lifetime because, or since I've been watching NBA because the last time it happened – was 1999. I was in diapers when that happened, so glad to see that. Second of all, I feel like the lack of superstar talent like uh, was perceived in last year's draft and maybe some of the ones of the year be- years before, I feel like it's actually a good thing because if the Hornets are going to take a guy who's a perceived reach, it won't be as critical as it has been in the past. I, I take, for example, a guy who's been mentioned for the Hornets before they got moved up and they were at eight. They could still take Onyeka Okongwu. Honestly, would love Onyeka Okongwu better than James Wiseman because I feel like he's got a better offensive game and has a higher ceiling to have a better offensive game as well. And it would really give uh, Hornets the rim protector that they need. And unfortunately, with James Wiseman, I'm just not a fan of his offensive game. It's I wouldn't want to draft a guy who's a Hassan Whiteside clone at three. I'd rather have a guy who could potentially be like a modern-day big like a Clint Capella at three if that's the case. So there's a lot of options. Heck, they could even trade down and get assets because they actually got something that people might like. Yeah, well, look, I, well, see, that's that. You, you can't do that. I don't, I don't care what the basketball reasons are. In my opinion, I don't think this is a draft where you can trade back. You know, this is not the NFL where, you know, you, you can trade back and still get the same kind of talent or guaranteed to get the same kind of talent six but No, Th- this team, this organization has an opportunity to grab some high-end talent in the NBA draft. And and as much as the I think as much as the talent itself as the morale of the fan base and the excitement of the future I think you have to make the third pick. I, you want to talk about maybe trading up? I mean you get the thirty second and the fifty sixth pick. I'm not even sure that Mitch Kupchak would be inclined to do that because he's done pretty well for himself in the second round. So I think they want to acquire as much talent as possible. You know, but I wouldn't I wouldn't completely take it off the board or I wouldn't completely remove it from possibility that let's say if they are in love with James Wiseman. You know, that they would move up and and try to uh, make a trade with the the Golden State Warriors to swap two for three to go up and get James Wiseman. I could see something like that. And I do think that 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 would make some people happy if they got a little bit aggressive like that. But I don't think fans would react well to this team trading back in this year's draft. Well, also, prime example. Even if if there are good reasons to do so. Right, yeah, even, yeah. 
But, you know, you look at the draft a couple of years ago. Remember, 76ers didn't originally have the first pick in 2017. They, the Boston Celtics did via the Brooklyn Nets in that awful trade. And the uh, Sixers were able to trade up, and the Celtics were able to trade back, get some more assets, and they got the guy that they wanted anyway and Jason Tatum. And unfortunately, the 76ers, for them, they wasted the pick on Markel Fultz, who's actually doing better in Orlando right now. So it is possible to see that happen. It's just like who would they who would what would the Hornets have to give up in that situation? Because even though they're in a better spot than they have been in the past couple of years, they don't have as much assets as the 76ers did during that time. Well, look, all I know is that uh, Devontae Graham improves everything. He should have been the league's most improved player. He improved the Hornets draft positioning last night. Devontae Graham, everything that guy touches improves. And I'm all I'm here for it. Make that guy the rep every single year. As our guys at uh, Bring Back the Buzz last night put it so well, he's untradeable now. You can never trade Devontae Graham. After this year, after being the rep that jumps five spots in the draft, I mean, he can't go anywhere ever. Devontae Graham. Everything he touches turns to gold. The Hornets picking third overall. My phone lines are lighting up. Text line, building center text line, Asa Abloy phone line, 704-570-9610. Your Charlotte Hornets picking top three. There's talent to be had. There's reason for optimism. And hell, it's Friday. We're going to the weekend, and I get to keep my facial hair. Everybody's happy. Everybody's stoked. Let's talk about who you want and snap judgments next. You're in the clubhouse on Sports Radio FNZ. Radio FNZ. Live from Charlotte every weekday and now heard around the world on the radio.com app. It's Kyle Bailey. This is Sports Radio FNZ. I think I've been pretty consistent the last few years that, you know, we have to look to improve this team through the draft or via trades. And free agency is always going to be an option, free agency, but that's not our primary, you know, manner in which we plan to go about improving the team. So just getting a pick, um, you know, first of all, not moving back and then, you know, getting a pick moved up to number three, it's going to provide us with a lot of options. Mitch Kupchak, the press conference last night after the Hornets jumped into the top three of the NBA draft. We're talking about that right here in the clubhouse on Sports Radio FNZ. And I'm not surprised. I've got loaded phone lines from people that want to talk about the Hornets draft. What the Bugs should do with the third overall pick in October's NBA draft. Again, the ping pong balls flew last night. Hornets fans for not just years, but a couple of decades have been conditioned to just believe, well, you know, Murphy's Law. Whatever will go, can go wrong will go wrong. But that's not what happened last night. The basketball gods, despite the offering of my beard, did not give us the first overall pick, but instead landed the Hornets a top three pick. And in a draft like this one, in many ways, it's it's as good as the first overall pick, unless you're an Anthony Edwards truther and believe that's going to be the first overall pick and that's who you want. Truth is, top three, uh, you've got a chance to land what many people w- will still believe should be the best player in this draft. So it's a very exciting time. And I, I got Shevin and David and Brian and everybody else on the phone lines. Hang tight. We'll get to you in just a second. But first, it's time for Snap Judgment. We can't have anyone freak out out there, okay? We've got to keep our composure. What the hell's going on out here? I'm not going to stop yelling because then that'll mean I lost the fight. Your language is offensive. Instantly, I regret saying that. That was a horrible thing to say. I may be wrong, but I doubt it. All right. LaMelo Ball has been seen by some 
as the presumed number one overall draft pick. And I say by some because there's far from a consensus on LaMelo Ball. Now, he would be the second Ball brother following Lonzo to be in the NBA. And of course, I, arguably more famous than any of them is their father, LeVar Ball, who joined Undisputed on Fox Sports 1 back in March and said this. Well, like I said, my sons are like phones. I keep making them better and better. <laughs> and I always had this concept right here where I've said at the moment right now, Lonzo's the best. Yeah. Jello is my strongest, so he has the potential to be the best because on the next level, they get bigger and faster. He right. liked that naturally. Melo's going to be the best on the fact that he's the youngest. Right. More experienced learning from his other brothers. But now, look, that, that bravado is not unfamiliar. Those guarantees have certainly been heard before. I'm on record, and I stand by it. I'm not a big LeVar Ball fan. I think he came blustering and swaggering in with a whole lot of talk and very little to back it up to this point. Maybe LaMelo Ball is what finally allows him to say definitively that he backed it up. I don't know. Time will tell. But I will say this. Despite my, let's call it, lack of affection for LeVar Ball, the truth is if the Hornets believe in their heart of hearts that LaMelo Ball is the best prospect in this draft, regardless of LeVar's antics and how obnoxious he may be, you got to take him. Now, I have my own questions, and I'll get to that in just a second, about Lamal or LaMelo Ball at the next level. But again, I trust the evaluation of Mitch Kupchak. I trust the evaluation and developmental process the Hornets have put in place. And I trust James Borrego to be able to build and develop players. And at 6'7", 6'8", with a great wingspan and a lot of athleticism, there's a lot of work to be done. But if that organization believes that LaMelo Ball is the best option available to them at third overall, then regardless of how much we might dislike his dad, they got to take him. That's Snap Judgment, inspired by Carolina Custom. If you can dream it, they can build it. Go to carolinacustomwheels.com. Now, that said, I'm coming to the phone lines. That said, the, the jump shot is iffy, and that's the truth. I, I'm going to go to Shevin off the top here because I know he's about to fill my ears full of pro LaMelo ball propaganda. The jump shot is iffy. The guys who do this evaluation stuff for a living will tell you he does not play a lick of defense. All right, and there are places where he's just flat out not a fit. But there's a lot of potential there, and I understand the appeal. And and the one thing I will definitely say on LaMelo Ball's behalf is that it appears he genuinely loves playing basketball, and that's a good thing. Now, that said, I got loaded phone lines. Let's take some calls here. Shevin wants to talk about the Hornets draft. Been a while, buddy. How you been? Uh, pretty good, man. Pretty good. How about yourself? Yeah, I'm yeah, doing all right. Other than the fact I got to send you a pizza this weekend. What's going on? <laughs> I can't wait for that. Listen, man, as far as Melo goes, I'm a, I'm a pro-Melo guy. I actually like LeVar Ball. Um, but back just to Melo. Break him down as a player for me. Uh, look, he's 6'7", six, 6'8". Six, he, I've watched this guy play since he was like 14 years old. He can play one. He can play two. He can play three. As far as the jump shot goes, I wouldn't call it iffy. I just say it's streaky. And I'm okay with a streaky jump shooter because he is a... He's a gym rat. That, that kid is a worker. Well, to, to that point, to that point, Chevin, I will agree with you because I was just talking about this with Coach Darty yesterday, and I'm not going to turn around and contradict myself less than 24 hours later. You can work on a jump shot, and you can improve a jump shot. Absolutely. I believe that 100%. Now, as far as defense goes, I think physically he's a capable defender. Maybe a coach gets that out of him. Maybe he doesn't. But I think when you're a team drafting the lottery, top five or top six, you don't not draft a guy who's a perennial all-star talent because of defensive concerns. The reason most teams are in the lottery is because of your offensive concerns. So I'll say defensively, that's a secondary concern. Some people are going to make the issues about what about possible character. I've said it before, I'll say it again. People won't like it. When it comes to the NBA, they never have and they never will 
care that much about character. As long as a guy is a hardworking guy and he's not committing felonies, because the NBA is ran with the players' union, so I'm not worried about that whatsoever. Guy's a hard worker. They don't like LeVar Ball. I get that. He's obnoxious. He's very annoying. I totally understand that. I only have issues when fans question him as a father, as a person. They don't know him personally. That is nonsense to me. So that's my two cents, man. All right, but hey, send me that address. I'll get you a pizza this weekend. Look, here's the deal. Again, to your point, Luka Doncic, not the greatest defender in the world. And we're talking about him as, I mean, hell, Josh Parcell sauntered in here yesterday and told me that Luka could be a top three player in NBA history. I mean, I, I almost fell out of my seat. You know, so so Luke is not exactly a a lockdown defender either. So so some of those points are very very well made. That 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 is my fear. You know, I don't I don't have anything to say about Lavar Ball, the father, because I don't live there. I, he's not my dad. I'm not going to cross that line. I don't like him as a distraction. The way that he was a distraction in L.A. They got tired of him in the L.A. Lakers organization when Lonzo Ball was out there. He was making too much noise. He was too much of a headache. He's piped down a bit since then. I think uh, what's happened with Lonzo might have humbled him a little bit, but, man, if LaMelo takes off, I, I think it's it's only going to come right back to the way things were, and, and I just don't want that to be a distraction for this organization. Uh, let's go to David next. He wants to talk Hornets drafts. David, what's going on, buddy? Thanks for holding. Good morning, Kyle. Glad to hear you. Hey, listen, I think there's a lot of similarities you can draw uh, with the Hornets draft and they're picking third to where the Panthers are at right now. And the similarities I'd say is if you're in draft and you see what you can consider, a, I'm going to call him a franchise quarterback or, or top-tier player who could ultimately dr- help attract or draw that key free agent, Hornets aren't going anywhere until they get one or two. You know, you see these super teams. So they got a choice in this draft is, to, can I add a solid piece that would be an attractable and make them more of a core or is there a superstar out there I can draw? And if there's a superstar, you got to get him. If there's not, I think you got a lot of flexibility to do a lot of things in that position. I agree, David. I agree. So is there a player that you prefer where they are right now? I like the Wiseman kid. I've seen him play. He's solid. Uh, seems like character's decent. Um, yeah. So, I mean, but, but hey, I'm not a basketball analyst, and, I'm, and I, I do trust, trust Mitch Kupchak to go out there. And that's what I say. If Kupchak sees somebody and says, hey, I like Wiseman, but at eight or nine, I can get this guy who I like just as good as Wiseman, and he'll be a key player, and I don't think any of the ones in front of him are going to be a superstar. Why not? If you can pick up a piece here, get another pick or whatever. I'm not a, I'm, I want to see them pick third, but at the same time, I want to see them build a franchise. Yeah, David, I appreciate the phone call. I think they're on their way. I don't want to see them trade back, not this year. I don't think trading back this year is the right thing to do. There's there's talent there in that top three. You've got two second-round picks. At this point, Mitch has established, I think, some trust with the fan base that he's going to maximize the value, or he's he's more likely than not to maximize value with those second-round picks. And, and what you said about Wiseman's interesting. Uh, coming up in 12 minutes, by the way, Seth Greenberg, two-time ACC Coach of the Year, ESPN College Basketball Analyst, talked to Coach Greenberg last night. He's going to hop on in, in 12 minutes and break down some of these prospects for us. But I like Wiseman, too. And on top of talking to Coach Greenberg last night, I reached out to some of my friends in Memphis and was asking about James Wiseman. Gary Parrish of CBS Sports is going to join us coming up at 1 o'clock this afternoon. We'll talk about that. And what I was told by a couple of people out in Memphis last night was that there's a lot of reason to like James Wiseman. And that what happened with him and Penny Hardaway and, and Memphis University, you know, with his uh, losing eligibility, was more about them, you know, him and his family getting in a bit over their heads. But I kept what I kept hearing was he's a good kid from good people. They just got caught up in a bad situation. So that was reassuring to me as well. Uh, let's go to Brian again, real quick on the Asa Abloy phone lines. Brian, how are you? I'm great, Kel. How are you this morning? I'm doing well. What are you thinking? 
Well, first thing I'd like to do is thank you and the entire WFNZ family for, especially you, for being so positive about Hornets basketball over the last couple of seasons. Well, thanks. I appreciate that. I, I, I like the organization. I love hosting the pregame show. They're good people. It's a great place to be, and I can't wait till they're good again because I think that place is going to be a phenomenal atmosphere. Yeah, I, I tell you, I'm really super excited about this and what, you know, uh, the team did last year with the young players and, of course, what Mitch Kupchak has been able to do, you know, and you mentioned the second-round picks and, you know, yeah, he's really brought a lot of youth to the lineup and that's what they needed to do and, you know, Borrego's done a great job with, you know, getting young players on the court and letting them develop. I've got one concern about uh, – I like Lamelo Ball. I think he'd be a great pickup for the Hornets. Uh, but I'm just wondering when they when he becomes an unrestricted free agent, how much of a concern would it be to you that he'd do like Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard and want to go back to California to, you know, since he's from there, and yeah. where his family's at and everything, you think that would ever be con- a concern? That, you know, because, you know, Toronto could have offered the Supermax deal but he just packed up and went back to California. Yeah, Brian, I appreciate the phone call. I don't know that it's necessarily any more of a concern than any other player uh, who would be reaching free agency. I mean, Obi Toppin's not from the area. Uh, James Wiseman to the best. Where's James Wiseman even from? I forget that off the top of my head. But, I mean, we're not talking about guys who, you know, any of them have any devoted ties to Charlotte. I, with the bird rights, uh, you know, structure in place that, that allows for, you know, teams like Charlotte, well, actually all franchises, to offer more money to their stars to keep them home, you know, there will be some incentives to be able to keep guys there. But, look, this is the NBA. There's always the risk of that. There's more player movement than ever. I don't think you need to. I don't think you can worry about that. It's a, it's an interesting point you raise, but I don't think you can worry about that. When you draft somebody, you're drafting for the best talent you can possibly find in that draft to develop them to try to win games. And when the time comes to re-up or sign a free agent deal, you've got the bird rights in your corner. You'll always have the opportunity to pay more than another team will in free agency. I don't think you can put, you can weigh that too much in this decision. Smoke real quick. Also, a lot can change in eight years. A lot can change in well, yeah, in a couple of years. We got a load show we're talking to james varego coming up in the lunch hour gary Parrish is going to join us but when we come back seth greenberg two-time acc coach of the year espn college basketball analyst he'll join us next he'll break down who he thinks are the best prospects in the nba draft and where he thinks the charlotte hornets should go you're in the clubhouse on sports radio fnz Sports Radio FNZ. Listen anywhere, anytime. Download the radio.com app today. It's Kyle Bailey. This is Sports Radio FNZ. Back on Sports Radio FNZ on a Friday morning. Kyle Bailey with you, and it's a good day to be a Charlotte Hornets fan. After years and years of draft lottery disappointment, last night they jumped five spots to the number three overall pick. And after you know, a 23-win season, but one where I, th- I think it's safe to say they uh, they overachieved just a little bit and gave this fan base reason for hope. Even more optimism now being delivered in the form of the third overall pick. We're discussing who they should take and breaking down some of these prospects with a guy who knows a thing or two about breaking down film and evaluating prospects. Two-time ACC Coach of the Year, ESPN College Basketball Analyst, our friend Seth Greenberg is back with us on the Technicom Hotline. Coach, how you been, man? 
Doing great. How you guys doing? Got a little optimism in Charlotte. I like it. Yeah, feeling good. Feeling really good. I like some of these pieces they have. P.J. Washington, Devontae Graham, Miles Bridges. They got to keep building here, Coach. And if the pick was up to you, with number three, who would you probably look to here? My gut feeling is James Wiseman. His upside is incredible. Uh, if he's available, uh, you know, now he's got a little Chris Bosh in him. He can run the floor. He can block shots. His motor doesn't run all the time, and he didn't have a full year of basketball, obviously, this year due to the situation at Memphis. I really like him. I also like Neka Okongwu. Uh, I think Okongwu is Bam Adebayo 2.0. Uh, now, they need more of a star player, and I think Wiseman's upside might be a little bit higher, but uh, Okongwu is a guy that's going to bring it every single day. He can rebound the ball. He can switch in ball screens and keep the guards in front. Uh, he's relentless on the glass. Uh, he can score in short roll situations and is a pretty good passer. Uh, those are probably the two guys that, you know, to me, jump out and, and fill their needs. Let, let's face it, they need front court help. They need rim protection. I think PJ is going to continue to get better. I think Miles is going to continue to get better. They could use a bigger guard with Rozier and obviously Graham. Uh, they could use maybe a bigger guard, but I think that if you can get a Wiseman or a Congo, I think those would be two really good picks. And they've got opportunities later in the draft, which is important. Yeah, look, I think Wiseman's interesting. And I was talking to some folks out in Memphis, some mutual friends of ours last night, one of whom said, look, this is a good kid from a good family that got caught up in a bad situation with the agents. The sky's the limit for him at the NBA level. I'm going to talk to Coach Borrego coming up in just a bit. But if, if you were to get your hands on James Wiseman at the NBA level, what's the first thing you're working on? How do you mold his game? Well, I think that he's got his game is interesting because he is skilled. He can run the floor. He's a very good passer. He could be that stretch five or stretch four, depending on your lineup. Probably with you guys, it would be a stretch five that can play a lot of different places. Uh, I think consistency, uh, consistency in his effort, consistency running the floor, consistency competing uh, on the glass. But he's got to get stronger. He's got to get stronger so he can rebound in traffic and things of that nature. But. You know, like, he, he's interesting because I really like him a lot. And I, I, he is a very bright kid. I had him at the Adidas All-American camp and a, and a terrific kid who loves ball. Like, he came to the camp. He didn't have to play. He played. Uh, so I like him. He, you know, I worry a little bit, you know, does he have a little Marvin Bagley in him where you, know, you look at him and you say, God, he could really be special, but he hasn't produced yet. Uh I think he, I think he has something special in him, and uh, I, I just would like to see him. He's got to fall in love with the game. Seth Greenberg, oh, sorry, be a great coach. player. You got to fall in love with the game. Sorry about that, Seth Greenberg, two-time ACC Coach of the Year, ESPN College Basketball Analyst, with us on the Technicom Hotline. Anthony Edwards, you know, I, I'd see split opinions on him, Coach. It's either this is the obvious first overall pick, or people who are highly skeptical. Talk to me about Anthony Edwards. I'm not as high as others uh, on him, to be honest with you. I think Andy Edwards is going to be a world-class athlete, physically imposing. Uh, you want to say, can he be Donovan Mitchell? Donovan Mitchell had one more year of school underneath his belt. Don't love his feel for the game. Uh, uh, don't love his his understanding of the game. I think Tom Creed did a really good job with him. But he, you know, he had a lot of catching up to do in terms of understanding the intricacies of the game. And the NBA game, and you guys understand it, but the average fan doesn't understand it, is, is the good NBA players have PhDs in the game. Mm-hmm. They really understand. They understand spacing. They understand uh, playing out of concepts. They understand flow. They understand shot selection. The good ones do. Now, 
he is physically imposing. He could be potentially uh, an elite defender. He could be potentially a dynamic scorer. His shot selection isn't good. Everyone says, well, you know, he's, gonna, he's a great kid. He loves the game. He's going to work on a shot. But he hasn't been a shot maker. He's been a shot maker in specific games. So he would be more, uh, you know, you're banking on potential. And that, let's face it, the draft is about potential. Uh, you know, I think he's he, he's worth the risk, but I, I'm not as high on him as others. Seth, uh, LaMelo Ball, right? he doesn't fall under your purview of, of covering college basketball, but he's another guy where I'm seeing some people telling me he's 6'7", 6'8", big wingspan, loves the game, he's athletic, there's a ton of potential on the offensive side, but I've, I've talked to Chris Patola and Matt Doherty and others who say he doesn't give a, a lick of effort on the defensive end, the, the jump shot is iffy. To some people, again, he's the number one overall pick. To others, they're not touching him with a 10-foot pole. Where do you fall? Well, I, the reason I wouldn't touch him with a ten foot ball is because obviously uh, everything that goes around, if his dad's involved, now, I think the best thing for this kid is you haven't heard a lot from his dad uh, in the last six months or so, which is a good thing. You know, let the kid stand on his own merit. He has got incredible vision, not good vision. He's got incredible vision. He's got incredible feel. He's got the ability to do things that very few players do. Is he a winning player? Because you know we're watching the playoffs now. Now, I'll tell you what, the big thing you see is guys that are winning players. Who are winning players? What do guys do that help your team, put your team in position to be successful? And 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 that's the big question for uh, Lamelo: is, you know, can he commit defensively? Can he play with others? Will he understand shots? His talent is undeniable. His size, his feel, uh, his skill level uh, in open floor, Terrific. I, I think a big thing for him would be be with that, the right team where he can get be mentored by veteran players to teach him not how to be a pro, but how to be a winning player. Hmm. I mean, it really is that simple. I mean, you, you, you look at the playoffs coming around and you, and you see, like, talent isn't everything. Look at Toronto. Think about Toronto's backcourt. Yep. Uh, and, and, but they're winning players. They're winning players. Look at the makeup of the Heat. Guys from winning programs, winning players. Uh, even the Lakers, when they're not playing well, uh, look at the Bucks when they're playing well, and the guys that come off the bench. Look what Jalen Brunson did. If people undervalued him. Look, people undervalued Malcolm Brogdon uh, because they they did undervalued what a winning player was. His talent is undeniable. If he gets in the right environment with his talent, he's got a chance to be special as long as he eliminates the static that goes around with him and, and that well, most of the static, let's face it, is his father who's trying, who's done a great job obviously raising these kids, but, 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 but is just a, a distraction when you get to the NBA level. That's exactly how I put it in the previous segment. Seth, I think you and I have talked about Obi Toppin before, but refresh my memory. I love this kid. I realize to some he's uh, he's ancient at 22 years old, but hell, he might have been cutting down the nets this past spring if we'd had an NCAA tournament. What do you think of Obi Toppin? First of all, the whole idea that a guy's Asian at 22, and then that's another thing that just absolutely drives me crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, the NBA is about speculation, but oh, here's a 22-year-old. Oh, he's too old. He's 22 years old. And I'm going to go back to my same thing. Look at some. Look at Devontae Graham. Look at Malcolm Brockton. Look at Jalen Brunson. Look at – you can go right down the list. I mean, there's you know, these veteran guys that come into the league. Mikael Bridges came in a couple of years. He was a little bit older. Uh, Oh no, we're gonna, we're gonna they understand. 
Coach, I think they we understand we, the value. Of there it. we go. We lost you for a second. Sorry about that. Yeah, they, they understand the value of it. So Obi Topping, I love everything about Obi Topping. I'm a little concerned about him defensively. Uh, and will he, you know, will he continue to rebound the ball? What, what position do you play him at? Is he, is, is he, a, is he a small ball five? Is he, is he a four? He can really shoot it. Can really shoot it. Uh, he's a very good passer, a terrific passer. Uh, he, he runs the floor. Now they did a good job with him of contesting shots and running them out. In the NBA, he's going to have to come back and rebound. Uh, but yeah, he's an intriguing, he's an intriguing prospect. I don't think I'd see him at three. I know some of our people see him that high. I don't see him. I don't see him that high. I, I see him as a guy that probably between probably seven and twelve, quite honestly. Yeah. Hey, but as far as the international prospects go, I've 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 seen some Denny Avia. The the tape is really fascinating to me, and I, I see others who really cover the Euro League making Luka Doncic comparisons. And you know, Killian Hayes yeah, yeah, is still yeah, a bit yeah, of a mystery. What do you think about these guys? I like Killian Hayes. I like he's a nineteen year old with a really good feel. Doesn't shoot it great. Um, has a legitimate size, not a world-class athlete. I actually recruited, tried to recruit his dad. Uh, oh, wow. But I, I, I like his game. I like his feel for the game. Uh, I, like, uh, I like his vision. Uh, I like his versatility. I like, uh, I like his game. Uh, the kid from Israel, my brother coached against him. My brother coaches in Israel. He's not Luka Doncic. Like, here's the deal. We can't make these comparisons. <laughs> Luka Doncic is one of the five best players in the NBA right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, like, like, what he is is he's a point forward. He's not a point guard, but he is a point forward. What he is is a guy that can facilitate and initiate offense off a defensive rebound. What he is is he's got a high basketball IQ playing in a terrific league in the Israeli League of the Euro Cup, um, and he's got great strength. Not a great shooter. So you know, that's why people say well, he's got good vision and he's not a great shooter. He's not like, like Luca. Luca is an assassin. I mean, like Luca, Luca absolutely buries dudes. I mean, he gets hit on every drive, and what he does, he takes the hit, boom, if he gets fouled and lays it in. I mean, Luca's a rare breed, and we've got to remember now, Luca's been playing professionally at the second highest level in basketball since he's 16. Yeah. Since he's 16 years old. So, uh, he's, he's a good prospect. He's going to be a good player, uh, but he's not Luca Dodger. Coach, uh, real quick, I got about, uh, you know, I got enough time for this. Just a quick t- thought from you on on the the prospect of college basketball moving forward in a, in a pandemic with everything going on. I know it's kind of a shift in in conversation here, but I'd love some perspective from you on what this all looks like moving ahead. I think I think we're going to play college basketball. I don't know that. I'm not a doctor. I'm not Dr. Fauci. I I, I don't understand everything that transpires. I don't think I don't see why there's any reason we can't have college basketball if campuses closed down and they go to distance learning or online learning and not that that's going to happen i'm just saying i don't i think they the two can coexist uh without a doubt but uh i think we're gonna have basketball they might be in a bubble and i don't i don't think there's any problem with having basketball in a bubble especially if people are taking distance learning or a good portion of their classes are taking distance learning i don't think we're going to have a huge non-conference schedule because until we have a universal protocol across the board which is going to be expensive it's really hard if, say, you're in you know, North Carolina or Duke or or a, a Big East program, and you're playing a team, say, in the Sun Belt. You're playing a team from the Big South. Do they have the same protocol as you have in your conference? Do they have the finances to test every other day? Do they have the finances uh, to do the things you need to do to make sure that uh, someone who's asymptomatic is identified and then quarantined? So. 
I think that's where the problem's going to be with non-conference scheduling. Uh, there's got to be some type of universal protocol, uh, but unfortunately not everyone's going to be able to afford it. Yeah. But I do think we're going to have college basketball. My gut feelings we will have an NCAA tournament. It might not be the way we normally look at it, but I, I do think that it will exist. And uh, I don't think fans will be in the stands, but I think we will have a season. Uh, and let's hope that there are all these brilliant people all over the world that are working night and day to uh, find a vaccine or an antivirus uh, continue to press forward uh, uh, surrounding everything that's going on in the world and uh, continue to do the great work they're doing. And while that's happening, it's, I know you guys hear it all the time, put your mask on, practice social distancing, be comfortable being uncomfortable, respect others, uh, and make good decisions. Be more like our locker rooms, just in society, to have greater humanity, have greater compassion, care for each other more, and respect each other more. And if we have those mindsets, uh, we're going to play college basketball and we're going to get through this pandemic and everything else that's going on in the world. Love it. Coach, appreciate your perspective, buddy. You're the man. We'll talk soon. Guys, appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Seth Greenberg, ESPN College Basketball Analyst, will react on the other side here on the Clubhouse on Sports Radio FNZ.